You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. I don't think you can truly change for the better in a lasting, meaningful way unless it is driven by self-acceptance. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's so great to be back after the holidays and settling into a new year. I hope you all continue to stay healthy and safe. I want to remind you to stay with us during the breaks, where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of women leaders, bringing you the latest news from their industries and their companies. And we continue to be so grateful for their support and the valuable content that they bring to the show each and every week. If you're interested in being a part of the show, feel free to visit our website at womentowatch.net and click on our partner page uh, where you can get more information uh, and learn about these opportunities. And don't forget to download the podcast and sign up for our newsletter as well so you can always stay in the loop. So now I am very excited to welcome a a local lady to the show. Uh, Welcome to the show, Elisa Bloom. Elisa is the Executive Director of the Philadelphia Fashion Incubator. Elisa, welcome. Thank you, Sue. Great to be here with you. Great to have you, finally. You and I connected quite a while ago, and we're finally getting it done. So uh, I'm real excited to have you. And talking about fashion and entrepreneurship and mentorship, which is you know, what you've been doing for quite a long time, is always um, of great interest to me. So I'm very happy to have you. And I want to Start with your younger years, and I know that you uh, were born in Boston, which is a great, great city. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that community was like growing up there. Sure. So I grew up 
13 miles north of Boston in a small seaside town called Swampscott, close to Marblehead and Salem. And uh, we had this, you know, normal up, upbringing, childhood. Um, I have two sisters, um, you know, always loved to color and draw, you know, was always outside playing. And um, it wasn't until I was in my 20s when I realized that I continued, rediscovered my drawing and my art when I started doodling um, post-it notes and napkins um, because I had a very somewhat traditional um, upbringing. I went to University of Massachusetts um, for, I have a degree in, in communications and um, never really thought of a creative field um, or being an entrepreneur um, for my, as a career choice. Yeah, it's surprising to me, actually, that it it took you to your 20s. I've seen some of your work today, and you're incredibly gifted artistically. So it's interesting to me that it wasn't something you discovered sooner. Um, something I really want to ask you is your dad was a high school teacher. What was that like for you, especially when you were in high school, to have your dad being a teacher? So he was at a, a different high school. I always thought that we would we would be going um, to his school. But uh, so, you know, he always had a big love of history. He's a, a history teacher and, you know, instilled that in my sisters and I. And, uh, you know, my mom was the more, uh, I would say, the creative one, um, the one who really instilled in me and my sisters the love of fashion and shopping because on the weekends we would go almost every weekend to the mall and be shopping and she was that was her big passion was shopping and i just remember going to Filene's basement well Filene's and jordan oh my gosh Filene's basement i haven't heard that in forever and um you know, it was just fun always seeing, you know, what was new and um, being able to try on different clothes. And, um, you know, she also loved dressing us um, like we were triplets, even though that we were two years apart from um, one another in the middle. Um, but she really instilled in me the love of, of fashion. And um, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Um Something I read that made me laugh, you said, as a young girl, I wanted to be a stewardess so I could travel the world or a clown so I could make people laugh. And, you know, you've certainly um, filled your life with lots of travel. You've been to numerous countries and, and wonderful places. Um, and we'll talk about that. Tell me, how have you filled your aspirations to make people laugh? Uh, well, it's been a while. I was part of a, uh, a theater troupe when I lived in New York City, and um, that was really fun. It was Cirque du Soleil-ish um, inspired, and it was called Toujours L'Amour. Um, and then in college, I, I was a clown a few times um, for some of, some of our um, annual parades that we had going on. Um, and I was seriously thinking in my 20s of going to circus school. Um, and That's amazing. I, I think you're, I, you're the first out of, all, out of all the women I've interviewed over 10 years. You're the first to share that. I just love the whole fantasy and the 
being transported into this world of um, laughter and and fantasy and just being um, inspired by movement and the colors and laughter and just everything that the circus brings to people. When, when did you let go of that? You know, was there a moment where you, you thought, God, that's not maybe practical for my <laughs> career? It was uh, shortly. It was in my 20s after graduating college. I thought, maybe I'll go back to circus school. Um, there is a circus art school, and actually in Philadelphia um, is the old, we were the first to bring the circus um, in Oh, wow. And there is a circus art school in Philadelphia, and I thought about taking some classes there. So maybe maybe I'll start there. Yeah, um, it's never too late. It's yes. n- you Just to add one more thing to your plate that you're already doing. Um, yeah. Something, you know, you shared with me candidly, um, and, you know, we always want to talk on the show about the things that, um, that we've struggled with personally. And and one of those things for you has been this need to be perfect. And I I was curious if you feel at this stage of your life, when you look back, you know, that you have conquered that, or does that still kind of creep into the work that you do, that, that feeling of not being good enough? I think it's been a journey working through this, Sue. And I know a lot of women go through this also of not feeling that we're doing enough, not, you know, accomplishing enough. And when I look back on, I was just taking note of even this past year of everything that that happened. It's incredible um, how much I've done, but just like women in general, how much that we do. And just being able to acknowledge that and celebrate it and really be proud of, of what we do um, every day as women. Yeah. Why? Well, actually, do you think it's changing because we're having these kinds of conversations? I think for a long, long time, historically, um, women were, you know, doing the multitasking, taking care of family and working and all of that and not feeling proud. And now we're recognizing that, you know, we are enough in in what we do day to day. Well, I think the pandemic has been a big wake up call. Um, for many, including myself, you know, really thinking about what is important, you know, what are the priorities and really being able to create that work-life balance um, that, you know, we've all been craving for. I mean, in some ways, um, working from home, um, I've been working a little bit more, but just really being able to create some degrees and make sure that I'm spending quality time with my son and really quality time with friends and um, being able to pursue the things and also including my work, which brings me a lot of joy, you know, the other aspect, creative aspects of myself that bring joy into my life. Yeah, I we I think we were really forced to reflect, you know, that's one of those things that came out of all of this that's been positive. Um, we're going to go into our first break. Stay with us for our watch team, and I'll be back with Elisa Bloom, the executive director of the Philadelphia Fashion Incubator. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Okay, friends, it's that time of year. Let's talk New Year's resolutions. 
easy to say, but sometimes hard to do. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, we spoke to Dr. Jamie Garfield from the Temple Lung Center. Some weeks ago, she was our guest. We learned that smoking causes up to 90% of lung cancers, and secondhand smoke is the next biggest risk factor. Most of us know that smoking can harm your lungs, damages your arteries, which explains added risk for high blood pressure, stroke, and heart attack. What many people don't know is that it causes inflammation and decreased immune function. So, no surprise, opens infection to tuberculosis, pneumonia, flu, more severe COVID. It can also cause insulin resistance leading to type 2 diabetes, bone loss, and hip fractures, reduced fertility in men and women. Men can have erectile dysfunction, women, premature births, stillbirths, low birth weight for baby, ectopic pregnancy, sudden infant death, because baby gets less oxygen in the womb. It can also damage sperm, leading to birth defects like cleft lip. It can increase risk for cataracts, macular degeneration, rheumatoid arthritis, and it affects the health of teeth and gums, causing tooth loss. Not just lung cancer, but multiple cancers. In alphabetical order, bladder, cervix in women, colon cancer, esophagus, kidney, liver, pancreas, penis, stomach, and the mouth and tongue, and more. So don't think you get a pass with smoking cigars or pipes. The risk is there too. Cigarette smoking is the leading cause of preventable disease and death in the U.S., causing more deaths each year than HIV, illegal drug use, excess alcohol, motor vehicle accidents, and firearms combined. So promise yourself, talk to your doctor about a program to help you quit. No one said it'll be easy. You need support from family and friends, and you may need medication to help in the process. Good place to start? The American Lung Association outlines Freedom from Smoking, a great resource. Website, lung.org. That's lung.org. It's never too late to quit. This year, make a resolution to be good to yourself. Take time to leave smoking in the wind. Hear the entire show on yourradiodoctor.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined this evening by Elisa Bloom. And Elisa is the executive director of the Philadelphia Fashion Incubator. Um, And Elisa, when I look at your life and your career, one of the things that stands out to me is that um, it hasn't been linear, right? And it, it wasn't this is what I want to be when I grow up, go to school, study that, and and continue to do it. And it's always a great example, I think, for women listening to know that it's not linear. Um, Tell our listeners, you know, what you did immediately out of college in moving out to L.A. Sure. And you bring up a good point, Sue, because I remember when I was in, you know, high school and people, you know, my friends knew they wanted to be doctors, they wanted to be lawyers, they wanted to be teachers. And I... I knew that I loved art, but it wasn't something that was cultivated inside of me. And I, you know, that's always been something, uh, it's been a lifelong journey of exploration. So when I graduated college, I moved out to Los Angeles and my intention and my interest was working in the entertainment industry. I was very fascinated um, going back to my childhood Um, which to be a stewardess and traveling around the world, I was interested in international sales and distribution of film. And I worked for a very short time at Cineplex Odeon, um, which was a theater company, and they also had a film company. And after less than a year um, working for um, the company, I realized this industry is not really for me. I'm not really feeling 
aligned and connected with it. And mm-hmm. I ended up working these very non-conventional jobs. I had uh, a friend of mine, her friend's mother was a self, um, self-published self author and um, she wrote inspirational gift books. I was doing her PR and marketing and sales and helped her in the production of one of her books. Her name is Rusty Burkus, and she's still writing today. And then I also worked for a talent agent. We were representing musicians, comedians, and one act uh, theater um, to the college and corporate markets. So I had these very non-conventional type of of jobs. And then when I moved back to Boston, I uh, worked for a short time in community relations. I was waitressing. And that's when I discovered my doodling and decided to take some textile design courses um, in the Boston area. And from there, developed a portfolio of designs. And I ended up um, showing some of the designs to a retailer in New York. Um, who connected me with the buyer because he thought they would make great laminated placemats. And from there, um, I met with the buyer. and He's like, well, I need to see actual samples. So I went back to Boston, not really knowing what I was doing, but went to my local Kinko's and took eight of my images and blew them up on cardstock and found a laminator. And all of a sudden, I had eight lim- 2,000 laminated placemats that I was wow. um, to Henry Vendell's and the Ritz-Carlton gift shops and to friends and family. And I knew I loved the experience of having my art that had a function in people's homes and wanted to get more industry experience. So I moved to New York and ended up uh, working at Bloomingdale's in home product development. And that was really my master's graduate degree um, where I really learned about the whole product development cycle. Um, We were creating a lot of private label at the time for our table linens department and doing um, all of Christmas trimetry. And uh, we had a lot of only a Bloomingdale's product for Silver China Crystal. But I had the opportunity to really learn about creating these um, trends and themes that we would present to the buyer buying team. And we would then go out, I'd go out in the market with the buying team and we would choose product that fit into the price point and the theme. So like one season it was Frank Lloyd Wright, another season it was French country. Uh, And then we were traveling. Um, I was traveling overseas, mostly to India and then I went all over Europe. And we were Mm -hmm. reviewing and making final um, revisions to the samples. And then I'd come back from these trips and I put together these big merchandising directives that went to all the stores. And then I traveled with the buyer to all 23 Bloomingdale's at the time during fourth quarter to make sure everything was displayed properly. Wow, that's that's so incredibly exciting. Yeah, it was an incredible experience and um, it was great to be able to, to work um, with the buyers and also um, work creatively, you know, with our um, design studio and also with the visual department. So it was a whole 360 learning of um, creating product and bringing it to market. And and not only that, Elisa, you're really self-taught when it comes to, you know, the artistic side of what you're doing and, you know, your ability to, um, create and design product yourself. Talk talk to me about your, your accessory business that you started. Um, first, two questions. What was the toughest part of being an entrepreneur after having that security of working, you know, for, for Bloomingdale's? 
Well, I, and I also want to mention, I did design some Christmas ornaments for Bloomingdale's that made it into their holiday window, which I was very excited um, about. But when I launched my company, uh, my accessories company, I, it really came from a, a, a conversation I had with one of our table linens manufacturers from um, Bloomingdale's. I gave him one of my designs and he ended up making it as a beaded placemat because that was my world. I didn't know anything about accessories. And right. um, I went and I exhibited at a trade show in New York and the overwhelming response, it was actually a paper show. I was launching a greeting card company and put these beaded placemats out and everybody loved these beaded placemats and in particular had these beaded girl faces that everyone was responding to and said these need to be on accessories not on placemats so not knowing anything about the industry i just started researching price points and um, styles and silhouettes and materials and ended up launching an accessories company um, not really knowing anything of um, about entrepreneurship or about the industry but I just, you know, dived fully into it. And um, I had a 4,000 piece minimum, which I think ignorance is bliss when you're starting a company, Sue, because I didn't know yeah. any, you know, I was thinking, oh, that's not a lot. You know, I worked at Bloomingdale's, not really thinking I'm an individual. Uh, <laughs> you're not a full operation like Bloomingdale's. <laughs> of ordering 4,000 units, uh, which right. And I went to my first trade show at the New York Gift Show. I had a rep um, who had many other lines in his booth, and I was, like, tucked in the corner on the bottom. And um, I had, like, three orders. I had one order from Fred Siegel, which is a great boutique out in L.A. The Nordstrom gift buyer came by, and that was really exciting because they ended up placing an order um, later um, in a few months later for 14 of their stores. And um, again, you know, I really didn't know anything. I didn't have a design background. I didn't. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand, and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. I have a business background. I didn't have any background in accessories. And at the time, a friend's boyfriend said, I would love to help you 
with your spreadsheet and your projections. So he sat down with me and he said, Elisa, you only sold 3,925 <laughs> units. You better start selling because this is, you know, being aired to your apartment of the Upper West Side, you know, in two weeks. And because I had to order all this product in advance. And um, from there, I just, he just put like a fire up my, my, push and I thought I need to start selling and I just started pounding the pavement and became the saleswoman warrior got on a plane my first three months I flew to Chicago and LA and San Francisco and secured showroom reps and I was doing all the trade shows um, the gift shows and accessory shows and um, I just happened to have the right product at the right price point at the right time in the market I was doing trunk shows three days a week at Henry Bendel's, as I mentioned, Nordstrom bought, and I opened up 400 accounts my first year. Wow, wow. Um, listen, we have to go into our next break. I wanna continue with that when we come back and, and get right to the, the great work you've done with the, uh, the incubator here in Philadelphia. Stay with us for our watch team, and I'll be back with Elisa Bloom. Now, the women to watch, military watch. Hi. I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast, NBC Universal. As our world continues to deal with the pandemic and its ongoing impact, Comcast is doing its part to help lessen the burden that many businesses have been facing in the wake of COVID. In 2019, Comcast NBC Universal launched a program called Comcast Rise, which stands for Representation, Investment, strength and empowerment. This multi-year commitment originally aimed to provide marketing, media, and technology services to small businesses owned by people of color. A few weeks ago, we expanded Comcast Rise to women-owned businesses nationwide to advance digital equity and to help provide underrepresented small business owners with access to the digital tools and funding they need to thrive. Of the 13,000 Comcast Rise recipients to date, many are veteran-owned businesses. We hope that this new expansion will encourage more female veterans to apply. According to the Small Business Administration, 8.5% of veterans in the United States are women. At the same time, women own 15.2% of all veteran-owned businesses. In other words, Women veterans start businesses at a rate that is nearly double their representation in the general veteran population. We also know that 92% of military spouses are women. And military spouses often turn to small business ownership since it provides the flexible career path needed for the frequently locations that come with military life. I'm pleased knowing that this new Comcast Rise expansion can and will help many women in the military community. For more information on Comcast Rise, visit ComcastRise.com. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm speaking with Elisa Bloom this evening. And Elisa is the executive director of the Philadelphia Philadelphia Fashion Incubator. Um, and I want to get right to talking about that. First, first, tell our listeners how you were handpicked to, um, to lead the incubator here. Sure. So after eight years with my accessories company, I decided to make a lifestyle change. And I 
moved to Philadelphia in 2008, and I started teaching fashion entrepreneurship at the local universities at Drexel and at Moore College of Art and Design and at Jefferson University. And I saw all this incredible talent that was here in the city, all this great fashion designers um, that, I that I was meeting that were launching companies. And um, at the time, I was asked to be a judge at Philadelphia Fashion Week. And uh, through that event, I got connected to someone who works at the Commerce Department who told me about this fashion incubator initiative that they um, were looking to launch um, with the city and with Macy's. So we are the Philadelphia Fashion Incubator at Macy's Center City, and we're celebrating our 10th year, as I know you are too, Sue. Yeah, congratulations. That's awesome. Yes, and we are really this creative collaborative effort that started um, in 2012, and it was a, a, a void that we saw here in Philadelphia where there were really no incentives or resources for emerging fashion designers that were looking to start companies. And we wanted to provide them the education and resources that they need um, to really thrive as an entrepreneur. So when we launched um, in 2012, um, we have created a one-year residency program. It's very dynamic. We have space, 800 square foot of space at Macy Center City for the designers um, to have access to. It's a design studio and workspace. And every year we have um, five to six designers that we choose for the program. And then we're offering this top-notch education with um, industry leaders from now with the pandemic from all over the world. We have speakers from Dubai and Chicago and New York and LA. And that's really been incredible, the quality of the programming that we've been able to provide our designers. And then in addition, we have other really great business resources, including a mentoring program where each designer is connected to an industry mentor to further develop their professional goals and just have an additional sounding board outside of the program. And then there's an entrepreneur in residence who meets with the designers every month to work on their individual goals and deliverables that they have um, for their companies throughout the year that they're in the program. And then we're always looking for opportunities for the designers to showcase and sell their collections. So every season we participate in Philly Fashion Week. Um, we've partnered with some great um, organizations, including the Alzheimer's Association on their annual fashion show fundraiser. We've also partnered with um, Career Wardrobe, also with their fashion show fundraiser, and always looking to partner um, with other nonprofits and organizations in the region. And then, of course, the selling opportunities. Um, we have hosted many different pop-ups and selling events and trend shows um, for our designers throughout the year. So it's really about taking the designers where they're at and the, the ideal candidates for the program, um, they have to be up and running six months to three plus years. And we're really there um, to take what they have created um, with their product and with their website, with their branding and help them grow and expand and become more sustainable um, with their companies. 
you know, at least I'm curious how you know, COVID has changed everything. It's changed the world overnight, and certainly retail has been affected. And I'm wondering how the how the designers, how have they been kind of mentally um, with the shift of knowing that they they're going to have to have an online presence. Um, so comparing today, the work that you do with 10 years ago when it started and it was completely different. Well, you're bringing up a good point, Sue, because when we started, designers mostly were designing women's wear, um, apparel, and they were very interested in wholesale. And over the past many years, and especially over the pandemic, um, it's really shifted um, our designers' um, thought process and how they want to sell. So many of them are selling direct-to-consumer um, and some of them do also want to, to sell wholesale. And um, another point, which is really interesting, is that the designers now, especially with the pandemic, have really thoughtfully been thinking about their why. You know, why? Who needs another dress? Who needs mm. a bag um, in the market? So they're really thoughtfully designing and manufacturing and also thinking about who is their market. And many of them are serving these underserved markets. We have Emily Salaby from Juno Jones, and she created a stylish safety boot for women that work in hazardous um, fields, including construction. Um, we have, and she's a former lawyer. Um, we have a, a former architect, Namita Reddy, who is of Indian descent, and she was inspired by her mother's saris and launched a lifestyle brand, Upcycling Saris, and she has a whole collection of beautiful tutu skirts for girls and scarves and pillows. And we have a PhD psychologist um, who um, is in her 40s, uh, Nicole Mohammed, who has a company called So Elevated, and she is um, designing a beautiful collection of modest wear um, because mm. she... Um, could not find um, beautiful, well-made um, clothes that she wanted to wear. And, you know, that's really, again, another underserved market. Yeah, they really have to find their niche, right? That's the yeah. most important part right now. Um, we're going to go into our last break, and I will be back with Elisa Bloom, the Executive Director for the Philadelphia Fashion Incubator. Stay with us for our watch team. Women to watch. Sports watch. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Jen Welker, and you are listening to Sports Watch. It is a lot of pressure because, you know, as I say, um, it, it's starting to be trendy now to hear women say, oh, the first and not the last, right? But I've been living in the space of first for well over seven years now, right? Being the first woman to play in men's pro football, all that stuff. And What's challenging about that is the reason why it's so important to say first and not last is because you as the first do not want to be the reason why you are also simultaneously the last. We had a girl once, but dot, dot, dot. And this is why that door is firmly closed for all of those who might try and, you know, enter this place in this space thereafter. And that is a very scary and very tough position to be in, right? And so that's why it is so important to be first and to be good 
so that there is a second, third, and fourth. And so I always say that, that there is pressure, but having played for a very long time on the Dallas Diamonds, which was my football team, um, I would look at it and just say, like, if they knew what we would become, they never would have put us under so much pressure because a diamond is a direct result of pressure. Follow me and all my adventures, or you could say misadventures, on Welter47 on Instagram or at jwelter47 on Twitter. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm speaking to Elisa Bloom. And Elisa, I wanted to give you a few minutes to talk about the new programs that the incubator, excuse me, the incubator is um, providing right now and, and who you're looking for to bring on board. Yes, so this is perfect timing, Sue, because we are accepting applications for our 2022 residency, which begins on March 1st. Um, okay. PhiladelphiaFashionIncubator.com to find out more information about how to apply. And if you're interested in finding out more, you can go to contact us, which goes directly to me. Happy to answer any questions. Um, the application is due in a week. Um, and, uh, you know, we really have... Uh, the candidates that we're looking for are really ones that not only have the creativity and the passion and the talent, but that really see the incubator as a business opportunity. Um, I always say it's we function almost more like an accelerator because it's you know from like zero to three years between the connections that we're making for our designers and the resources that we're providing for them. And then in addition to our residency program, we have a weekly public program that's open to anyone. It's called Fashion Thursdays, where we bring in industry experts from around the world to speak on the business of fashion. And that has been really, really fun and exciting to be able to have speakers um, come and, and talk about all these different topics that designers are really looking um, for more information and insight into as they're developing their businesses. And last summer, we launched an educational platform called Fashpreneurs, um, which includes many of the recordings from our Fashion Thursdays, but also you're able to be a part of our private Facebook community group and um, we have asked the experts and other really great resources. So check out fashpreneurs.com. Um, but I'm really excited about the work and the impact that we've made um, with our designers and just seeing how much the Philadelphia fashion scene um, continues to grow and um, just really expand. And it's really exciting things that are taking place here in Philly. You know, they am I right? It's actually been modeled internationally, the the, the incubator and, and Yes, we've had um I've had um the opportunity through the US State Department um to teach and also share about um the work that we do at the incubator um in the Baltics and Russia, Italy, Africa, and it's been really exciting. Um, to be able to see what's happening in these other secondary fashion sectors around the world. Yeah, that's that's incredibly exciting and, and important, I think, for women in other countries that don't have the same resources and opportunities. In addition to your business consulting, your mentorship, your providing of these workshops, you're actually um, on the verge of, of launching your own uh, designs, Elisa Bloom Homeware. 
Yes, so I had mentioned earlier in the show that I took my the textile design courses um, in my 20s and many of the designs, some of them I had used in my accessories company um, on the bags um, that I had created. And um, I've always had a love for home sew. Ever since I made those laminated placemats and working at Bloomingdale's in the home department. I mean, I love fashion, but I love the concept of having fashion in the home. And especially mm. since we're spending so much more time in our homes, um, over, especially over the past 18, 20 months. And so I have um, right now, um, looking to, I, I have my designs that are really um, applicable for wallpaper, textiles, carpets, housewares. Um, I'm working currently with a, um, a store in Philadelphia that's featuring um, one of my prints in her windows. So I created uh, a line of pillows and some drapes um, that are currently at her store. It's called Melesime on Second Street. Um, but I just, it's the, the feeling of bringing people joy and bringing some positivity into people's lives and into their homes, um, which really excites me and, you know, really want to bring um, just some lightness and um, some smile. Mm -hmm. We need that so much. Do you feel as though you're coming full circle? In a way, yes, you're you're bringing up a good point. Yes, it's been um, quite a journey and I feel I it's all about staying curious and engaged and you can always you're never told to reinvent yourself. I'm inspired every day from our designers that are in our program. Uh, many of them um, are, we have designers from 22 to 70, um, but a majority of them, this is their second, third career. They've never done fashion before. And it's just incredibly inspiring to see the courage and the passion and the commitment that they have um, to do their work and, and bring their um, brands out into, into the world. And I'm very inspired by them and, uh, you know, continue to uh use them as a role model too um, yeah that's own. i love hearing that that you know because one of the things i say often is it is never too late and we should always be looking to um stay engaged and learn and you know i had written a quote you you had said to me i believe the secret to a good life is always stay engaged and be curious and i think that that is um so very true especially for women Absolutely, and things are moving so quickly that you know it's it's always important to just keep yourself um, kind of in tune to what's happening in the culture, you know, in you know whatever whatever you know passion or, or sector that you're interested in following, and um, to really you know connect. And I I think that's really why our designers are having success now because people are very interested in connecting with makers, connecting with um, how things are made and the story and the inspiration behind it. And mm. I think that is really something um, for people to to really bring into this new year is curious. Yeah. And yeah, it's more about the story than just the bottom line of selling the product, right? It's, 
it's much more interesting, yeah, to hear the backstory. Um, well, listen, we've come to the end of the show, and it was so great to have you on. I wish you such success with both the incubator and um, your new line, and I hope you'll stay in touch. Thank you, Sue. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for my interview with Sophie Rudock, the CEO of Multiverse. Have a great week, everyone, and stay safe and healthy. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.